0: Franklin, an ideal foil. Nature alone met him on equal terms, historian Carl Becker has said, with a disinterestedness matching his own. Of course, in an age when so much remained unknown about the workings of the physical world, prying into nature's secrets could be risky. In December 1750, Franklin had invited some friends to his Philadelphia home to help him slaughter a turkey by electrocution for Christmas dinner using a charge from two Leiden jars. An experienced printer, Franklin had powerful hands and was extremely dexterous. But in this instance, he allowed himself to be distracted by his guests and didn't mind for a moment what surfaces he was touching. I inadvertently took the stored electricity through my own arms and body by receiving the fire from the united top wires with one hand, while the other held a chain connected with the outsides of both jars. The company present say that the flash was very great and the crack as loud as a pistol. I then felt what I know not well how to describe. A universal blow throughout my whole body from head to foot, which seemed within as well as without. One of Franklin's hands, feeling like dead flesh, instantly turned white, as if all the blood had been driven out. He may have had this experience in mind when he later speculated a bit naively that the effect of being struck by a lightning bolt might be approximated by wiring up several Leiden jars. Even so near a brush with death did not inhibit his interest in electrical experiments or diminish his essential optimism. We learn by chess, observed Franklin, a dedicated player of the game, the habit of not being discouraged by present appearances in the state of our affairs, the habit of hoping for a favorable change, and that of persevering in the search for resources. Franklin's inquisitiveness about nature was matched by his disdain for the continual upheaval he found in human society. Much of his life as a printer, publisher, and inventor, as a civic leader and as a statesman, was spent trying to replace chaos with order, creating a program to keep the streets clean, a volunteer fire department, a young men's improvement society, a lending library, a plan to ally the American colonies. It was probably a union of these two impulses, his interest in investigating that which had not yet been adequately explained and the urge to fix what could bear improvement that drew his attention initially to the phenomena of thunder and lightning and led to his greatest invention, the lightning rod. Thunderstorms inflamed my curiosity, he once said. Representing nature on a vast scale and at its most frightening and enigmatic, storms became a particular subject of interest to Franklin during his early years in Philadelphia in the 1730s, when he was publisher of the Pennsylvania Gazette and was beginning his public life. Little or nothing was known about lightning, whose true nature was then shrouded by centuries of superstition. When in summer lightning flickered over the New Jersey shore of the Delaware River, Franklin paused to watch its zigzag path across the sky. He took note of the manner in which it destroyed trees and chimneys, and calculated its downward course to the ground from the tops of church steeples, he filled the Gazette with accounts of the mischief of Thundergus, and later, to the dismay of his wife Deborah, rigged an apparatus that would bring lightning into their house and announce its arrival by tinkling some bells on the stairway landing. On Tuesday last, the house of Mr. James Rogers was struck by lightning, Franklin reported in his paper on July 10, 1732. It split down part of the chimney went through the room where he was sitting with his children, but without hurting any of them, and entering into the cellar, fired a full hogshead of rum, which stood under an arch, and bursting out the head, the whole cellar was instantly filled with flames which poured out at the windows. There was several hundredweight of butter in tubs, which melted and took fire also. After the fire was out, it was so hot as not to be tolerable to the feet and legs of those who would have gone in. But mischief could also connote more dire effects. From Newcastle we hear that on Tuesday the eighth instant, the lightning fell upon a house within a few miles of that place, in which it killed three dogs, struck several persons' death, and split a woman's nose in a surprising manner. In the report of another incident, Franklin, the journalist, takes up a subject that would one day captivate Franklin, the scientist. The way lightning, in a tiny fraction of a second, chooses its route through the available conductors in an edifice it has struck. On Sunday, the 28th past, about three miles from this city, a clap of thunder fell upon the house of the widow Mifflin, struck down part of the top of the chimney, and split it down several feet, tore and shattered the roof, split a rafter and broke it off in two places, and struck off the plastering with part of the brick wall in the inside of a lower room, broke the splinters of the window frame, and melted the lead. Another story lower, several splinters of the wood frame were broke off, some of the glass broke, and lead melted. And a lad who stood in a porch near the window was struck down and burnt badly in a streak about the breadth of one's hand from the side of his face down to the calf of his leg, but in no way hurt any part of his clothes. Franklin included lightning stories in his paper because they made for interesting, sometimes humorous copy. At times he almost humanized the Thunderbolts, as if they were reckless or prankish children, Mischief, the word he used to describe lightning's destructive nature, was the same term he applied to human situations he thought both regrettable and avoidable. The theft of a horse left untethered, the disruption in a household caused by a runaway servant, the animosity between residents and billeted British troops in his native Boston. No wonder, then, that his lightning rod was ultimately said to have tamed lightning. Because of his work with electricity, Franklin was popularly viewed, especially in England, where he served as colonial agent, and later in France, where he was foreign minister for the burgeoning United States, as a kind of genial sorcerer. But many of his scientific contemporaries saw him in more exalted terms and acclaimed him as another Galileo, Newton, or Copernicus. Franklin was not the deep theorist these men had been, but his lightning rod, some called them Franklin rods, represented the fulfillment of two important strands of 18th century scientific thought. The belief that science should be based on empiricism, that which could be observed, and the confidence that an empirical approach to science would lead to the development of innovations beneficial to mankind. What made Franklin's achievement especially remarkable in European eyes was that he was an American, at a time when natural philosophers across the Atlantic looked to the new world for botanical curiosities and snakeskins and not much else, when the very term American still connoted a coarse frontiersman. The usual portrayal of Franklin presents him as a political figure who in his spare time dabbled in science, the historian I, Bernard Cohen, has said. His own century, on the other hand, considered him a scientist who had entered the arena of international politics— Diplomat, publisher, satirist, revolutionary, Franklin did many things well. Future generations came to know him best, thanks in large part to his own posthumously published autobiography, as a son of a Boston candlemaker who, by dint of ambition, hard work, and self-discipline, rose to world fame and influence in spite of what he called his low beginning. As Cohen suggests, however... What has always been inadequately acknowledged is that Franklin's initial world fame rested not on his wit or his accomplishments in public affairs. It was based on his discoveries in electricity and his invention of one of the most useful and symbolically important conveniences in human history. Through Franklin's lightning rod and his leading role in fostering American independence, mankind found in him both a philosopher who banished superstition and a revolutionary who humbled kings. He snatched lightning from the sky and the scepter from tyrants, the French economist Anne Robert-Jacques Turgot famously observed of America's electric ambassador to the court of France. In this way, Franklin and his lightning rod became a popular metaphor for the late enlightenment and the emerging faith that society, by emulating science's rationalism, would itself be transformed. The 18th century's iconography of revolution is replete with examples of knowledge and